Pastor Xavier Reese says an encounter with the Lord means coming face to face with the truth. Jesus was led to Pilate by the Jews. And yet, Pilate wanted nothing to do with Jesus. But Jesus ends up examining Pilate. Jesus puts Pilate on trial. Told him that his kingdom was not of this world. And for this very reason, he was born. Which Pilate said, what is truth? Ooh, isn't that the cry of today? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Jesus said in no uncertain terms that He who is not with me is against me. And in today's message from his series in the Gospel of Luke, Pastor Xavier describes how the hesitant Pilate was forced into making that decision for himself before the multitude who was falsely accusing Jesus. Coming up, it's the age-old question, and sparked up again in today's Simple Truth study titled, What Will You Do With Jesus? At times, individuals are accused falsely and sentenced wrongly, in spite of the evidence of Scripture and everything else. But for the most part, we still have some form of justice, though it's getting worse and worse. But such was not the case for Jesus. He was brought before Pilate on Good Friday, and this was the greatest injustice that has ever been committed to any person on earth. For Jesus Christ was absolutely sinless and innocent. But you see, you and I come into this world and we will die. But Jesus came to the world to die in your place and mine. The religious um, trial of Jesus has uh, taken place. Now comes the political trial. All, both of them have three aspects. You have Annas, Caiaphas, and Sanhedrin. Luke omits uh, Caiaphas, gives us Annas, and then kind of just mentions Sanhedrin as they take him. The political one is Pilate, Herod, and Pilate. So they each have three faces. So what we want to do is look at the trial of Jesus before Pilate, which has three movements. Let me read for us here. Then the whole multitude of them rose up and led him to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and to the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard Galilee... He asked if the man was a Galilean. And um, as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. And then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood vehemently and accused him. And then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been an enmity with each other. And then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me. And as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, 
neither did Herod, for I sent him back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with the man, and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. And Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus again, called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of the, these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. The trial of Jesus before Pilate lays out in three movements. First, we have Jesus was led to Pilate by the Jews, verse 1 through 5. Second, Jesus was sent to Herod by Pilate in verse 6 to 12. And thirdly, Jesus was returned to Pilate by Herod, 13 through 25. The first movement, Jesus is led to Pilate by the Jews, 1 through 5. Notice in verse 1, we have the party responsible for bringing Jesus to Pilate. The group refers to the Sanhedrin. The whole multitude of them rose and led him to Pilate. The time is early in the morning when the elders and chief priests and the scribes came from Anna's house, Matthew 27, 1 and 2, Mark 15, 1, and then we also saw in Luke, the previous chapter, verse 54, where they're at. Luke omits Caiaphas and gives just a brief thing on the Sanhedrin. Caiaphas was the son-in-law of Annas who prophesied that Jesus should die in John 18, 13 through 14, if you remember. Now, Jesus stated he would be delivered up to the Gentiles over and over again and be put to death from uh, all from the confession of Caesarea Philippi in chapter 9 all the way down over and over again. Chapters 9, chapter 17, chapter 18, all the way till he gets to Jerusalem. The other Gospels give us two reasons the Sanhedrin had turned Jesus over to Pilate. The first is that it, it was envy. They envied Jesus, Matthew 27, 18, and Mark 15, 10. The people were following Jesus. He was rebuking and exposing them, so they hated Jesus. But they envied him because of the crowds. They honored him. They loved him. They followed him. The other is they didn't have the power to put someone to death. John 18, 31 said at this point it had been taken from them. Now, the man Pilate was ruling in authority. He was a procurator or governor of Judea under the emperor Tiberius from 26 to 36 AD. And he's described by Philo as inflexible, merciless, and obstinate. And he does it by quoting a letter written to Caligula from Agrippa I. So this man was somewhat to be uh, confronted with and dealt with. Pilate officially resided in Caesarea of the Mediterranean. Some of you have been there with us. Beautiful place. I don't blame him. But on Jewish feasts, he would come to Jerusalem because of the swelling of the population and because of the possibility of uproars and that. And Jesus was led to the Praetorium, the military barrack, and the judgment hall in the Antonius Fortress. And John 18, 28 tells us this. So again, putting all the three synoptics, and John gives us some sections. Some give something. Some give other. We get a full picture. Pilate had entered Jerusalem, if you remember, with the Roman standard, which was a type of idolatry for the Jews, so they hated him. 
And uh, they followed him to Caesarea, into an amphitheater, and Pilate told them that he would kill them. But they challenged him, and he called his bluff, and it failed before him. Later, he robbed the temple of money to build an aqueduct along the Mediterranean. It, it resulted in, in rioting, and he planted men w- w- within the, um, the crowds, and he killed them. And Philo tells us that the Jews had threatened to exercise their right and exploit him and report him for his cruelty and murder. But Pilate, once again, continued his antagonism towards the Jew and he hung shields of the emperor. He refused to pull them down. And uh, finally, he was ordered by Tiberius. So he kept getting black marks in, in, in Rome against him. And he kept being confronted and challenged by the Jews. And he, he had lost all credibility and, and faith before them. So Pilate was afraid at this point to lose his position. He was walking on thin eyes both with Rome and with the Jewish community. The personal charges against Jesus is given to us in verse 2. These were formal decrees and charges against Jesus. And they began to accuse him saying, we found this fellow. The word accused is a technical term here for bringing legal charges in a court against someone. And the derogatory term, this fella, demonstrates the hate they had for him. You know, when you are confronting somebody and you don't like you say, that guy. You don't mention his name. The charges were three, if you notice here. The first being sedition, perverting the nation. The word perverted means to twist or to be disloyal to the nation of Rome. So here the religious rulers are playing both sides. They hate Rome, but they're going to use Rome for the benefit right now. The second is tax evasion, forbidding to pay tax to Caesar. And we saw this in the previous chapter, verse 20 through 26. Jesus shut them down. Anybody have a coin whose picture's on there? Give to Caesar the things of Caesar. Give to God the things of God. Let's get on. What's the next question? <laughs> the third is that he uh, was a rival to Caesar, saying that he was Christ, a king. All three are false charges, even the one of king, because when Jesus said he was king, he was not intending it the way they were. They were bringing on a political charge, the rival to Rome, so that he might condemn him. Now, the private examination of Jesus by Pilate in verse 3 is interesting. The question Pilate asked had to do with the third charge. He kind of dismissed the first two. But here's the third one. He says, are you king of the Jews? And it's emphatic in the Greek. Are you you can imagine Pilate looking upon Jesus, beaten bruised from the previous night. He's been up all night. He's been arrested. He's been interrogated. He's been smacked and hit around by the religious priests. If you're a king, why, why are your subjects accusing you to me? You can imagine the thinking of, 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 of Pilate. The Lord Jesus answers Pilate without hesitation. He answered him, it is as you say, a definite Yes. Jesus didn't um, quibble or back off or was intimidated by anybody. And, and sometimes that pressure is there to intimidate us and, and it's a challenge to our lives. All three synoptic gospels record the answer affirmative, Matthew 27, Mark 15, as well as here. Now, John 18.34 gives us the words of Jesus to Pilate in the praetorium. He says, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Are you thinking of the Jews because you, you've come to the conclusion or because you heard it from somebody else? 
Jesus puts Pilate on trial. He turns it around the praetorium, by the way. It's neat to, to read that whole thing in John 18. Jesus ends up examining Pilate. Twice Pilate examines Jesus privately in the praetorium. In John 18, 33 through 38, Jesus told him that his kingdom was not of this world. And for this very reason, he was born. And everyone of the truth heard the, his voice, which Pilate said, what is truth? Ooh, isn't that the cry of today? The educators, the politicians, objective truth is gone. The truth of the gospel is gone. It's whatever everyone wants to believe. It's relativism. Look at verse 4, the proclamation of Pilate to the accusers about Jesus given to us. Pilate addressed the accusers of Jesus. So Pilate said to the chief priest and to the crowd, the chief priest, of course, are Pharisees and Sadducees, scribes, the lawyers. The crowd was the people. The religious ruler had rounded up in hopes to turn them to their side against Jesus. But you've got a mixed multitude. You've got also people that love Jesus following there. And Pilate announced his verdict. I find no fault in him. This accusation that they had brought were unfounded by the examination, Pilate saying. The death penalty was ludicrous at this point. The verdicts are stated in their three, by the way. In verse 4, he states it, find no fault in him. In verse 14, find no fault concerning the things they accused him of doing. And in 22, Pilate found no reason to put him to death. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, the evidence presented in the gospel, Jesus was absolutely innocent. He should have been acquitted. Look at five. The people protested to Pilate about his verdict. They responded with a greater determination, but they were the more fierce. They became more adamant. Now, you and I are very familiar with this type of thing in our day. You see crowds get adamant, judgments that are made, and they protest. And they say, don't confuse the issue with the facts. Forget the truth. It's wrong because you don't agree with us. Wow. Welcome to the standard of the day. Both within the church and outside the church. And in Washington. All the way around. In fact, the world. What is truth? They immediately expressed their objection, repeating the charges of sedition against Rome, saying... He steers up the people, teaching throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee, the north, to this place, the south. They were set on their way in spite of the lack of evidence. It didn't make any difference. It didn't matter to them. And people do this today. You ask them direct questions. They don't dialogue. They don't, they don't debate. They make things an emotional issue, a non-truth issue. A person guilty of great evil can be manipulated and forced to do many things by people who hold that over him. This was Pilate. And many men and women have gone down and politicians because someone has their thumb over them. Today people can shoot their mouth and don't have to prove anything and destroy people's lives. Isaiah, remember, said evil good, good evil, that's what they call it. Welcome to America and the world. Listen to Jeremiah 14, 14. It says, And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lie in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, worthless things, and the deceit of their hearts. Like the Sanhedrin also denied Jesus. 
culturalizing the gospel, redefining Christians and Christianity in the church, focusing always on the positive optimism, ignoring the warnings and consequences of the scriptures, compromising and minimizing objective truth again, and holiness, focusing on subjective reasoning and relativism, just like the ungodly world. But everybody just moves on with it. Second Peter 2, one two says, But there will also false prophets among the people. Even there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Listen carefully. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Many will follow their destructive ways. False teachers are in the church, not outside the church. Judas Iscariot were with Jesus, not with the Pharisees. Remember that. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners, pilgrims, abstaining from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. If you are godly, if you love the Lord, if you're being true to the Scripture, and somebody calls you unloving, legalistic, self-righteous, wear it as a badge with humility. Welcome to the church of 2015. It calls itself Christian. Jesus was led to Pilate by the Jews. The names change, but the acts don't. Second movement comes in 6 through 12. Jesus was led to Herod by Pilate. In 6 through 7, the perfect opportunity came for Pilate. The shrewd politician saw an opportunity to escape judging Jesus. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. Herod's self-serving mind was quick. He's already in trouble with Rome, as we've seen. He didn't need one more thing. He saw a way of escape. Galilee came up, bing, a light and a bell came on. He seized the moment for personal evasion. Listen to his words. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. I know Pilate said, oh, the gods are on my side. I don't have to send him all the way up north with a big contingent of soldiers. He's right here in town. But it was evil. Herod Antipas is the name, son of Herod the Great, one of three sons who was made a tetrarch over the, his father's kingdom when he died in 4 BC. His was Galilee and Perea. Pilate wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Realizing he was in Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to him. And the word sent there is a technical legal word for remitting a case from one court to another, usually from a lower to a higher. So in doing this, he would appear honoring Herod and respecting him by referring the rightful authority in case to him. But Pilate actually benefited himself because he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. In verse 9, he examined Jesus. Possibly about the three accusations, that of the perverting the nation, evading taxes, and the fact that he said he was king. We're not told. Luke just tells us he spoke to him about those words. We don't know what those words were. But 
The response of Jesus is the most interesting here and the most important. It was silence. But he answered him, nothing. Jesus knew the heart of Herod. He had um, beheaded his cousin John the Baptist at the request of Herodias as uh, her daughter danced before him. And he had exposed him for his adulterous affair with his uh, brother Philip's wife. And yet, Herod just cut his head off. No big deal. Herod heard of Jesus doing miracles. And, um, and when he heard that, he said it was John the Baptist risen from the dead in Matthew 14, 1 and 2. Some Pharisees, if you remember, in Luke 13, 31 and 32, when we read there, had come to Jesus and said, Go out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox. It's in the feminine. Go tell that female fox, that he, she. Behold, I cast out demons and perform curses today. And tomorrow and the third day I will be perfected. The sign of the resurrection. He wasn't intimidated by him then, nor is he now. He knew Herod was insincere and vile. His silence was the strongest rebuke. Herod had gone too far. Whenever Jesus ceases to speak to anybody, you know it's tragic. But you know that he's done all that he can before he's silent. It may be one time and one time alone, if you're here, that you will hear the gospel. I would not pass it up. You get at least one chance. No one deserves two. And everybody will stand before God without excuse. Herod was uh, pressured by the Jewish leaders to rule against Jesus. It says, And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Verse 10. The priests were Sadducees. How ironic. They deny the resurrection of spirits and angels. There are many professors in seminaries and Christian churches and Bible schools that don't believe in the inerrancy of the scripture, in the resurrection, the virgin birth, the second coming, or whatever. Why do you call yourself a Christian? The scribes were the lawyers. They accused Jesus vehemently, forcibly. Very strong words. This is found only one time apart from Acts 18.28. Their mind is made up. Mob mentality. Look at 11. The private mocking of Jesus by Herod revealed his disdain for him. Herod looked down on Jesus. Then Herod with the men of his men of war treated him with contempt and mocked him. The word contempt means to account as nothing. To despise him utterly. No value, no appreciation, nothing. Mocked him means to play with him, to make fun of someone. Herod had Jesus ridiculed. He arrayed him in a gorgeous robe. The word array means to throw around him. Just imagine, they're just playing with him. Put that robe around him. Look at the king. Notice Herod dismissed Jesus. He sends him back to Pilate. He's done. Fun's over. Ah, my anticipation was short-lived and really wasn't all that I thought it would be. That's the expression and response of some people to the gospel in Jesus. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating the eternal choice before us all, by way of the trial of Jesus before Pilate, 
from Luke chapter 23. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, in the meantime, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is simply, What Will You Do With Jesus? It's available on CD, as usual, for only $4. Once again, you'll be asking for the message titled, What Will You Do With Jesus? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Even when it seems there's no way out, Jesus always provides a way up. We hope you'll be back for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 